0: welcome back. Um, I'm recording a little bit later this week than normal. Um, I got kind of lazy over the weekend. Uh, As you know, if you were also in New York, it literally rained non-stop from sometime on Friday evening until Monday morning. I was like is this ever gonna stop what is happening um so yeah I tend to get very lazy when it rains out uh so I just ended up reading and watching a lot of tv um I couldn't go for my daily walk which was upsetting because I feel like when I don't go for a walk every day I get more and more lazy to like go again so I've been trying to get back into that again the last couple of days um now that the weather is finally getting warmer again and dry, at least dry. Thank God. I hate the rain. I hate it so much. Um coming from Ireland where it rains all the time. Um, I'd be happy if I never saw a rainy day again, to be honest. Um, and yeah, so I as I said watched a lot of TV over the weekend, which was the one benefit of it. Um, so I mentioned last week that I was excited for the friends' reunion. Oh my goodness, it was so good i could have watched it for if they had hours of footage i probably would have just sat and watched it one go honestly i loved it so much um it was really emotional it was really nostalgic i grew up watching friends um i remember watching the first episodes um you know waiting having to watch it week to week and you know if you missed an episode that was it you couldn't watch it again um that was just how things were in the 90s um it was great oh my god I loved it so much I that revelation though about David Schwimmer and Jennifer Aniston crushing hard on each other for the first season oh my goodness I was like wow uh I would love nothing more than for the two of them to get together it would just make me so happy um but yeah it was great it was I loved it loved every minute of it um so i what i tend to do when i'm like watching i'm like i think i said before i'm a binge watcher so i uh i'll like depending on whatever show i'm watching so i'll pay for like that app that it's on um so I got my new subscription for HBO Max, so I could watch the Friends reunion, and I had saved up a uh, mirror of East Town to watch it because, you know, I like to binge, so I didn't want to wait and watch it week to week. So I ended up starting on Saturday evening um so because I knew the finale was going to be out on Sunday so I kind of timed it so I would watch it just in time to uh for the finale to be streaming and oh my goodness I was completely hooked I knew people were enjoying it because I've heard it everywhere for the last like month or so however long it's been on now um And, you know, when I first heard about it months ago, I was really excited because that kind of genre is my favorite type of TV anyway. But then to hear that Kate Winslet was going to be it, like I adore Kate Winslet. So I was really excited about her um, getting her own show. And oh, my goodness, she was fantastic. Like, I think she's a great actress anyway, but honestly, that's the best role I've ever seen her and like she just put everything into it I forgot that it was Kate Winslet that I was watching it was a fantastic show it was so well done all the performances were brilliant I absolutely loved it and I missed it already um I, I definitely think I'm gonna probably re-watch it again pretty soon um so also on HBO I'm trying to watch everything now that I have the month-long subscription um so I, I try to do it that way so that I don't end up paying for like five different Uh, subscriptions at one time. I ended up watching uh, Murder on Middle Beach, which is a documentary series. I think it has like four episodes. Um, Oh my goodness, it was so good. Um, It's this young guy, I think he's like in his 20s, and he made a documentary about his mother's murder, um, of which the killer has never been found. And There's so many layers to it, there's so many different things happening and he interviews all of his family and a lot of his family are very suspicious. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people that have a motive in it. It was just a really, really well done documentary. So I would definitely check that out if you can. I also uh, finally watched Alan versus Farrow, um, which is a documentary about Dylan Farrow and uh, Woody Allen. Um, I'm sure we've probably all heard those allegations anyway, even if you've not seen the documentary, but I definitely recommend checking out the documentary. I, personally, I can say that I've never seen a single Woody Allen movie in my life, and I'm a really big uh, movie fan, have been since I was really, really young. Uh, I remember, like, being a kid and hearing these allegations and just being, like, really grossed out by him and just, like... I mean, it was... It was a fantastically well made documentary, um, it was very emotional, um, very obviously it's a very tough subject matter, um, but I think it's really important to watch it, um, check it out 100% if uh, if you've any sort of lingering, not really sure if it's true or not, definitely watch it. Um. And then last night I started this show called The Head, which I haven't heard anyone speaking about it, but I've seen it um, a couple of times, just like on social media, it's popped up, but um, it's really, really good. I think it's just, it's only come out in the last couple of months, um, but it's uh, these people working in Antarctica and they, it's like a large uh, group of people that work there, but then... Um, Most of the group leave for the winter months where it is darkness for six months. And then they lose communication with the others who are left behind, which is like a really, really small team. I think of like six or so. And they lose communication with them for the last six weeks. And then they show up um, to see what's going on. And everybody is just either murdered or they've disappeared and only one person is still alive and she's really really traumatized they're trying to figure out what happens it is so good I watched the first three episodes last night so I think I have like three episodes left um I really wanted to stay up and watch it but it was like 1am I was like okay I have to go to bed um but it was so good so yeah so there's some. Um, recommendations. uh, If you haven't seen them already, check them out. Um, Yeah, so uh, I wanted to mention that yesterday was National Narcissistic Abuse Awareness Day. Um, It's really, really important um, day, I think, because I think a lot of people aren't really aware of this form of abuse. Um, It's a type of abuse that's very difficult to prove. Um, I spoke a lot about it in episode one. Um, It is 100% what I was going through. Um, In my abusive relationship, I remember when I first realized that this is what I was experiencing. Um, I remember just being on online and just like, out of kind of sheer desperation because like I just couldn't understand this like behavior and what was happening to me and I just googled like a bunch of random things that were like going on with me like repetitive patterns and this phrase kept cropping up narcissistic abuse and I did more and more research and honestly my mind was just blown because it was like reading about my life um, and it made a lot easier it a lot easier for me to um to kind of deal with it going forward and to kind of accept it um, and it's also important to know that you know this type of abuse can escalate and it can become um, physical so anyway, today I wanted to get into more detail about financial abuse. Um, this was a huge part of my story. It was a big factor in me not leaving my abuser. Um, there was times when I literally had no money. Like I'm talking zero money, not a penny to my name. And, you know, that's a very scary position to be in. Um, anyway in in life in general but when you're already not in a very um, healthy environment and you're completely under someone's control um, you know it's it's even scarier Um, and it's also important to know that financial control occurs in up to 99% of domestic violence cases so I think it's a massive obviously from that statistic is a massive factor in domestic violence but I think that it's one that people don't really consider Um, So I just want to go through, first of all, some signs of financial abuse before I get into my own story and experience with it. I know I've touched on it um, in the previous episodes, but I just want to go into a little bit more detail today. So um, it can start small and then escalate over time, just like every form of abuse. Um, They may require you to account for all of your spending. They can pressure you to quit your job. They want to have complete control over you and they just, you know, they can't control you when you're working. So they don't want you to be in a work environment where you're outside of the house. Um, they won't let you educate yourself or better yourself. Um, they feel entitled to your money, but they don't. you don't have any access to their money. Um, they spend your money with or without your knowledge. They take control of your bank accounts um, or limit your access to your accounts. They can max out credit cards and don't pay them, um, even take credit cards out in your name. They can threaten to cut you off financially if you try and go against them. Uh, they may even quit their own job and then expect you to pay for everything. They can spend their children's money, for example, taking money from their college funds. Um, They may use your name on legal documents, for example, um, they may use your good credit score to get a credit card. Um, They may force you to sign documents that you don't even know what they're for. Um, They can claim to pay bills, but then don't really pay them. Um, They can take your paycheck. Uh, They have like a double standard on spending. So like you can't spend anything, but they will spend in excess. Um, You would have to ask them for money and then tell them what the money is for, even for things like food, um, and refusing to pay child support. Um, The impact of financial abuse can be felt for years and years afterwards. Um, You know, you may end up paying back loans that you never took out, credit card bills, um, you can have a bad credit score, unable to get credit anywhere, you can't get a mortgage, can't uh, pay rent without a guarantor. Um, You know, after being through it myself personally, I always advise any woman to keep your own bank accounts um I've never really understood couples that have joint accounts like I can understand you know if you're married for like you know having a joint savings account or you know having one ca- account to where like you pay the bills from and things like that but like I would say never have a joint account where your paycheck is going straight into that account I learned my lesson the hard way Um, It's not to say that every relationship is going to be financially controlled. Obviously, it's just, I think, less messy. And, you know, it's important to hang on to your independence, even when you're married. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen in the future. Um, So, yeah, as I mentioned in previous episodes, I was completely broke in the first few years that I moved to New York. Um, You know, my abuser would claim also to be really broke, but he was also excessively spending. Um, I was living on very, very basic foods, pasta, bread. Um, and he was like getting takeouts every night, packages showing up all day, every day. Um, I was constantly blamed for being a burden, even though he was the one that had pressured me to move before I was financially ready to. Uh, he claimed that he would take care of me when we were there. Um, But obviously he knew that me being in a position where I was broke, he could control me. But at the same time, he would still continue to demand money from me. Um, We were only supposed to stay for three months uh, in New York and then move to London. But that never happened. Uh, He said he was staying. And even though things were bad, I was just completely unaware that I was being abused and I was always hopeful that things would get better. Um, so when I eventually got a green card, um, I was sure positive things would finally be great, finally work out. Um, he was always using my immigration and financial statuses against me. He was saying things like I could never leave him because I had no money, I had nowhere to go. I couldn't afford a flight home. Uh, He would even open his wallet and like brag about all the money that he had. Uh, He even threatened to call immigration on me several times. And, you know, I just knew that he was right. And I just didn't have the means to leave him. And I was too ashamed to tell anybody else about it or to ask for help. Um, so the morning that I got my visa in the mail, like literally the very morning that I got it in the mail, I had told him that I was working all day, just taking that one day and like perfecting my resume, thinking that he was going to be really happy with that. Um, but instead he ended up getting really angry. He told me I was wasting time and I should have been applying to jobs like ASAP, like that day. Um, which made no sense to me because you know, in order for me to get a good job, I obviously had to have a good resume. And particularly having never worked in the country before, um, I needed to make it even more so that it would stand out. Um, I ended up telling him that I had applied to like a bunch of jobs and I got interviews. But really, I would just go to the city saying I had an interview and then I would just like walk around for a few hours and then just Claim that I never got the job. Um, I used to take copies of re- my resume with me and tell him I was going to just like walk into businesses and apply in person. Um, it wasn't that I wasn't applying to jobs, but I just kind of wanted to make it look like I was putting a lot more work in. Uh, because he didn't seem satisfied unless I was job hunting twenty four seven. And you know, even like he would look over at the computer, and if I didn't have a resume or something in front of me like he would say that I was wasting time and you know honestly really I just wanted an excuse to be away from the bad atmosphere for a few hours um you know when I didn't get jobs when I actually had interviews he would often blame me for messing up and I obviously didn't give a good enough interview um and then I I ended up where I would just use the excuse of interviewers telling me that I just didn't have any experience working in the country, which seemed to kind of keep him off my back for a while. Uh, Excuse me. So eventually I got a job... um, in retail. It was only part-time to begin with but they told me I would get more hours once I had proved myself. Um, I really loved it and I would kind of find myself getting sad like when my shift was over. Um, Everyone was so lovely to me and everyone was really helpful. They loved that I was from a different country. They would always ask me questions about Ireland and they seemed genuinely interested in me. Uh you know it was just nice to have regular conversations with people again um I'd been so isolated for so long and the majority of the my coworkers were a lot younger than me and you know they had just like started going to college and they were getting you know that little bit of independence um from their parents so their like youthful enthusiasm was really really infectious um they'd ask me to you know go have lunch with them go for a coffee or a drink after work um i ended up finding this really really lovely little group of friends there um And we would go for dinner at this little Mexican place in Hell's Kitchen every Thursday evening and then for ice cream afterwards. And it was just so nice. I would really, really look forward to those evenings. And it was just lovely to feel like carefree again. Um, But the downside being that I always had to go home eventually. Um, I thought that my ex would be happy that I had a job now but instead he would say that I wasn't making enough money and I had to look for another job and leave there. So I couldn't really win no matter what I did. Um, A friend of mine ended up getting me a job hostessing at a bar on weekends. It was really long hours, it was double shifts uh, every Saturday and Sunday and the money was amazing. But even though the money was great, he refused to let me take the job. He said he didn't want me working so many hours and he didn't want me working in that environment. So again, couldn't win. Um, I started to get more hours at work the longer I was there. um, But I ended up kind of um, downplaying it to him. Um, You know, I always had to give him most of my paycheck to pay for the bills and you know I obviously wanted money that I could have for myself um so i used to say that i had my usual like whatever it was 5 hour shifts i think when really it might be an 8 hour shift and i would leave earlier in the morning and you know tell him my shift was later in the day but I would say that I was like, oh, I'm just going to go for a walk in the park first or I'm going to meet a friend for coffee or, you know, I'm going to like sit in the park and like call my mom, you know, just like random kind of excuses like that. Um, but really, I would actually be going straight to work. And then I would end up uh, stashing my extra money. Um, I was lucky that he never at any point kind of asked to see my paychecks or anything and um, I would get them online anyway so I never had like a paper copy or anything like that but I know a lot of people aren't in that situation you know they're demanded to show their paychecks they want to see the exact amount um, and all the rest of it so I was lucky in that sense um, he would say that I had changed since I started my job and um, looking back now it was because he had less control over me um really I was just happier um that was the only difference um I often feel like now that he would have preferred me to never work again and just be at home all the time but I think that money was more important to him um he used to say like really nasty things about my uh, co-workers even though he had never met them it was just for me telling them various things about them um, I became really close to this one girl um, she was a few years younger than me um, she was in like a a pretty turbulent family situation. And I was just really protective of her. Um, We always had a great time together and always had a great laugh together, but I was very aware of her situation. So I'd always, you know, take her to lunch or drinks, um, just, you know, so she had someone to talk to. And for some reason, um, whenever I mentioned her to him, he would always bring up the fact that she was black. Um, You know, he knew her name, because I would talk about her all the time, but he would always refer to her as, like, oh, that black girl. And it just used to make me feel so disgusted with him. Um, He was just very racist in general anyway. He would always say things like, oh, my dad told me this, and then say something really disgusting. Um, Always racist. He idolized his dad so like anything his dad said was like bible to him even if it wasn't his own opinion um he was always getting fired from his bartending jobs like always even though he was extremely cocky and sure of himself and he would be like i'm the best bartender everyone has ever seen like things like that it kept happening and i'm talking like 12 different bar jobs in the space of three years which is unheard of um his excuse was he always used to say it was oh like it's just a new york thing and you know every now and again bar bar owners just want like a revamp and like they change the workers to just get a bunch of new people in changing the scene and whatnot um but nobody else seemed to get far as far as i could see apart from him And, you know, I foolishly believed him for a long time, but after a while, I definitely became suspicious. Um, and I also kind of secretly loved that I had managed to keep this one same job for years, but he would, and, you know, I would continue to get like pay rises and I would have really good performance reviews, but he was still claiming that, you know, he was better than me, um... I was lesser than him and whatnot. Um, One of the first jobs that he got, um, he told me the first day he went in that he actually knew one of the other bartenders there because they had worked together for a brief time in Ireland together in a store. And now years earlier, he told me um, the story about him working there. So one of his friends who's... he still is really close to it um he was a manager in this store and he along with this other guy had gotten caught stealing like thousands worth of merchandise from the store and this other guy had fled the country afterwards and i guess ended up in new york and my ex had always sworn that he had nothing to do with the stealing and that he was completely unaware until they ended up getting fired but at this point, I'd kind of started to suspect he was involved or he at least knew a lot more than he was letting on because this guy that he was now working with again, hated the fact that he was working there um, in the same bar as him. He said that he was always like aggressive towards him and like giving him sm- smart comments. And he always kind of avoided talking about his time in Ireland and the people that they knew in common. And he said that he seemed to always want to be getting him in trouble. Um, So my ex ended up getting fired because the two of them had an argument one evening in the bar in front of the customers. And as the other guy had worked there for longer, he got my ex fired. And he claimed that it was on purpose because he was afraid that he would tell the managers at this bar about what he had actually done in Ireland so obviously this is all coming from the mouth of a, a lawyer who um you know I wouldn't trust a word that came out of his mouth but I definitely think that there was a lot more to this story than I definitely it made me think that he was definitely involved in what had happened previously um so keeping this in mind and, you know, knowing that he was for the next two years getting fired continuously, I started to get really suspicious that maybe he was stealing from the bars and getting caught. Um so I had started to every time he came home and like passed out drunk, I started checking his wallet and I know in New York it is possible that you can make a lot of money on tips depending on where you're working, but he seemed to me to have an unusually large amount of money every night, like there would be hundreds every single night, and I knew it wasn't accumulation of a few days' earnings because every single morning we would walk to the bank together and he would lodge every single piece of money he had in his wallet into his account from the night before. Um... So, I definitely started to get very suspicious about that. Um, So, after a while, I got my first credit card and I started to build my credit. Um, I was really good with it. I would only use it for like small amounts, or, you know, I would buy, um, you know, my train ticket, things like that from it. And then I would pay the balance off completely every month. So, my credit score was really good it kept going up every month um and it's something he would always do would brag about the fact that he had, like a bunch of credit cards and he had a really great credit score and he could get approved for any credit card he wanted yada 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 um and then one day he asked me what my credit score was and at this point my credit score was in one of the highest brackets um and i remember him being really shocked like i remember seeing i could still picture his face that he was just like really taken aback i actually think it hurt his ego a little bit um and then he said that he would have to use my score when we eventually got you know we're applying for like a new apartment at this point um we were due to move out in the next couple of months i'll get into that story further along um in another episode because it ends up being a really big part of my story um and you know he was trying to say that oh you should get more credit cards while you can and all this kind of thing and as soon as like the words were out of my mouth you know I knew I shouldn't have told him what my score was or just like made up a number or something um but you know I just wasn't thinking like this at the time again I was still unaware of the abusive situation that I was in um he did our taxes jointly the first year and I went with him to the office to file them but he only gave them his account details so when the refund came it all went into his account and I remember him again like bragging about how large the refund was um, but he refused to give me my share of it um, he wouldn't even tell me how much it was he refused to give me a copy of the receipt he claimed he didn't know how much it was or that you know it was a really really small amount and that he used it for bills which I hadn't paid. Um, I told my best friend about it at the time and you know I made excuses for him as I usually did that he needed it for bills Um, but she said to me you know it's still your money even if you end up paying the bills with it it should still get to your hands and then you can decide when and what bills to pay for. And, like, I knew she was right, but I just kind of let it go because, you know, it was, like, anything for an easier life. It wasn't worth the argument to me. Um, so when my grandfather died, which I believe I mentioned previously, uh, he had offered to pay for me to fly home for the funeral. And, again, like, I just knew... As much as I wanted to go, it wasn't worth the consequences. I was just way too fragile for the repercussions of it. I knew that he would always hold it against me. And I just decided to stay because it just... That's all I was thinking about. The fact that I was thinking about more so what the repercussions of me taking this money for him would be... And I believe as well that him offering to do that was just another form of control. I don't think it was any part of him being sympathetic or anything like that. Uh, One summer he told me that a former colleague of his in Ireland um, had contacted him because she was really, really worried about her younger brother. So he was in New York on what's called a J1 visa. I don't know if you're aware of that, but it's basically um, a student visa that you can get um, in Ireland where you can, if you're in college you can go to anywhere in america for like three months of the summer and work there um and so this guy and his little group of friends were on this visa and they had just come over a couple of weeks i think before that and they'd basically been scammed out of a deposit for an apartment that didn't exist um so they had no money and they were sleeping on a park bench every night so um, this guy's sister was really worried about them. And, um, you know, to me, that was like her saying to my ex, oh, can you just like meet him, check on him, make sure he's okay. Obviously you're, she was worried about him. But then at the same time, I was kind of like, well, if you're that worried, could you not send him money or something? Um. So basically he offered without me even knowing about it. Um, he offered for them to stay at our place. Now, there was four of these guys in their early 20s. Um, I was so angry. I like, I like I said, I couldn't understand why it was our, now our problem. Like, why couldn't their families take care of them? Like, you know, send them money to like stay in a hotel for a few nights or to fly them home or like whatever it is. Um, and also like, why didn't they have enough money to just like pay for a hotel themselves. I mean, you weren't just coming to New York with you know money for a deposit on an apartment. I'm sure you would have come with a lot more than that if you're planning on staying for 3 months. It all just seemed really really strange to me. Um so it was supposed to be for one night. Of course, it ended up being for I think it was almost a week. Um and you know, he would buy them cigarettes he would buy them drinks he would go out with them even though apparently they had no money and i found out that he even gave them cash um again it's just a perfect example of him trying to be the nice guy the big man you know always wanting praise from strangers which is typical of a narcissist um But, you know, there I was, his girlfriend, and I was living on, like, bread and pasta because he took all my money and claimed that he was broke because of me. And then he's just giving these random kids, like, a bunch of money and paying for their drinks and cigarettes. It was insane. Um, You know, this was before I was working so I was at home every single day with four strange men in my house and they completely took over the place they used all of my stuff they ate our food um they wrecked the house there was just shit everywhere um and you know he kept extending their stay he kept saying oh I can stay one more night I can stay one more night and you know it's like it's as a woman it's really intimidating to be alone in a house all day with four strangers um so, you know, it was hard for me to speak up. And even like, you know, I was already in a pretty fragile situation anyway. Um, and I just remember one morning being on the phone to my mom and telling her about it. And she was so angry. And then she was getting me angry and like riled up about it. And I just went out to the living room and I just screamed at them to get the fuck out of my house. And they were all pretty shocked and they just left. And then apparently they called my ex when as soon as like they were gone um and he had the audacity to get mad at me because oh what was his former colleague going to think of him now for kicking him out um and you know i just remember being like i like like it's just, you're just ridiculous like i just can't even understand how you're thinking this way Um, And then after a few days of them leaving, I remember him getting really mad because they had left the country at this point and they hadn't paid him back any of the money that he gave them, which, according to him, had amounted to about $150. And I told him to ask his, oh, why don't you ask, you know, the girl that you worked with, why don't you ask her about it and get her to pay you back or get him get her to get them to be back but he thought that that was rude so he didn't say anything um but I got great satisfaction about the fact that he was so pissed off that he didn't get his money back I mean come on I had some family staying with me at one point for about a week um and that weekend he was going to a bachelor party in Atlantic City um He only knew the groom. Uh, He didn't know the rest of the people. Uh, He left on the Friday morning and then, you know, wasn't supposed to get back till Sunday evening. So I got a call from him on Saturday morning, like really early. And he said that he was on the way home. He said that he had lost over a thousand dollars the night before I still think it was probably even more than that. I assume he lost it on gambling and alcohol. And all his money was gone and he had to borrow $20 from one of the guys to get the bus home that morning. And I just remember thinking how pathetic this was for a grown ass man in his thirties. And like how embarrassing to have to ask a stranger for money to get home. And, you know, when he got back, he made no apologies to me. He, I got home from being with my family all day and he was just passed out on the couch, hungover, snoring, which like was embarrassing for me in in and of itself. Uh, so another thing happened where I found out from his cousin that he had been borrowing money from various family members. Um, I think she told me because she, I think he had borrowed money from her mom or like something like that and she was really pissed off about it. So that was her intention of, by telling me, but I didn't even know anything about it. Um, He borrowed money from my family without me knowing um and like my family don't have any money so anything that they were giving to him was all that they had uh he apparently told them that we were struggling even though we weren't at this point and he told them not to tell me uh Ended up that I had to find out about it because there was some like issue with um, they were trying to transfer the money to his American bank account and it just wouldn't work for some reason. So they ended up just putting it into my account because I still had an Irish bank account. um I didn't want to take the money when I found out about it, but they kind of, you know, were worried, I guess, and they just convinced me to take it um, I, you know I was very suspicious of his intent for the money um, so instead I kept about like $200 of it just to have for like groceries kind of emergency money and then I transferred the, ex, the rest to his account and like he knew exactly how much money was missing but I just told him that oh they ended up not having as much money as they thought they did Um, so he seemed to accept it but like I knew that he was pissed off about it Um, and surprise surprise he didn't use the money for bills or rent or anything as he had claimed that we were struggling he instead bought a very expensive ticket for a football game and used the rest of the money for the days drinking uh, at the game and it is safe to say that that money was never paid back so one day, something in our apartment needed fixing. I think it was like the fridge or something random like that. And I kept asking him to ask the landlord to fix it. Um, the landlord and his family lived downstairs and he was normally like great to help out or um, fix things that needed fixing, all the rest of it. Um, and he just became really like cagey and refused to ask him, which I found really strange because normally I had no trouble ever asking him for anything. Um, we had a great relationship with this guy. So I ended up waiting till he was at work and I texted landlord and he came upstairs right away. And I just noticed like he was very, very off with me. Normally he was very, very chatty, very friendly guy. um, And he was just really uncomfortable. Like there was a weird atmosphere. And then as he was walking out the door, he turned to me and he asked if I had any of the rent for him. So it had only been a couple of days into the month. So I had just assumed um, that my ex hadn't gotten around to paying that month for whatever reason. So um, I told him that and I said, you know, um, I'll I'll say to him and, you know, he'll take care of it. You'll have it like tonight. Um, and he told me that it had actually been three months since he had last received any rent for him meaning that he owed him well over three thousand dollars. I was completely shocked. I was speechless. And I think the landlord knew that it was genuine because he didn't say anything else to me after that. Um, I kind of knew by his face that he knew that it was genuine surprise for me. Um, and, you know, I just told him that I'd find out what was going on and get back to him. So right after that happened, something in me just made me decide to search the whole apartment. I don't know what I was looking for, but I just had this strong urge to just look everywhere. Um, so I found, uh, hidden in a bunch of documents, I found several credit cards with my name on them of which I had zero knowledge some of them were um added as like a second user to his main accounts um but the rest of them were all standalone accounts um according to the statements that I found with them they were all maxed out thousands of dollars of credit in my name of which I had no knowledge his bank statements were there and showed him depositing thousands of dollars every week to his account. All of his own credit cards were maxed out, and I could see that all his money was going on cabs, um, various like online purchases, a lot of gambling sites. Um, you know it's illegal here to gamble online but he would use a VPN so he could still use his old Irish accounts because um, it's illegal in Ireland to do that um, I was like I just remember I still like I can still picture myself standing like in that exact spot and just being completely shocked but also like not that surprised if that makes any kind of sense um, obviously I, I knew underneath it all that something was going on Um, I mentioned previously uh, in another episode that he used to like disappear some nights after work and not come back until the next day. Um, And I what I had started to do was um, I would sign into the find my iPhone app on my own phone and then I'd be able to track um, down his location through that Um, He always seemed to be in a bar somewhere and like never anywhere else. So I was never really too suspicious in terms of like, you know, him cheating on me or anything. Um, My best friend told me at the time, um, you know, I would kind of started opening up a little bit to her about what was going on. Um, But again, I would kind of downplay it a lot too. But she told me he probably was cheating on me. But like, honestly, I never really cared truly. Um, You know, everything else he was putting me through seemed a lot worse to me. It wasn't really a top concern. And I've said before, I think, you know, part of me kind of wished that I would find out that he was because that to me seemed easier to kind of, it would have been easier to confront him and, and like leave him. I think rather than kind of accepting the fact that I was being abused Um, She also suggested that he probably wasn't just drinking alcohol. Most likely was probably like doing coke or something as well. Um, As it was really common in the bar industry, she worked in the same industry and she would often like tell me stories of things that went on behind the scenes. Um, And again, like none of this really got to me as I really think at this point, like I was starting to see how things weren't right anyway. Uh, so it kind of just was more, you know, it was just more of the same kind of almost to me. Um, I remember uh, very, very soon after that, uh, it was, I would say probably only a couple of weeks, um, he came home really, really drunk one night after having this work meeting. Um, he had told me earlier in the day that... Um, him and his co-workers were being investigated because um, while he was working one night his co-workers had come to the bar to drink while he was bartending even though they weren't allowed (coughs) excuse me my voice is going even though they weren't allowed to drink in the bar even when they weren't um, working um, they still weren't allowed to come in as customers to the bar I think a lot of bars have that rule. Um, and he said that they stole alcohol from behind the bar from like a really expensive bottle. And, you know, he was in trouble too because he was working at the time and he was saying that they were trying to blame him. Um, and I knew the story just didn't add up to me at all. Um, so when he eventually passed out on the couch, I decided I was going to check his phone. Um, I knew it was like risky because you know he was obviously there could have woken up any second but I also kind of knew him enough to know that once he was passed out from alcohol and he was at the point where he was just snoring excessively there was no waking him up. Um, So he was on the couch and his phone was on the floor next to him and I didn't want to disturb the phone so I didn't want to pick it up turn it or anything like that. Um, So I kept on the floor in the same place and I used his thumbprint to unlock it I think about it now it seems like so kind of high risk um but I just I just knew at the time I was like no I know he won't wake up because he completely passes out when he drinks um so I went through his uh text messages and I found a thread between him and the other bartenders you know I recognized all of their names um And basically they were all trying to put their stories together so that they were all on the same page and what it sounded like from the text was that he was working as he said and they came in drinking and he had given them free alcohol all night but from the like really really expensive top shelf bottles and then they had filled the bottles up with the cheaper stuff and water. it also kind of sounded like there was more to the story um but they weren't really saying it they were kind of more so like referring to things but not saying it directly um and again like that suspicion i had of him stealing money started to come up um but you know stealing is stealing whether it's physically money or alcohol it's all the same um So then I saw that he also had a separate message thread with one of the girls who worked there and she was also in the main thread as well Um, and I knew that her boyfriend was a friend of his also but it also seemed like quite bizarre that they had so many messages back and forth especially you know when me and him had originally gotten together you know we had been messaging each other for months and months and months every single day before anything had ever happened between us Um so again that was something I was kind of suspicious of most of the messages were work related I will say that or they were just talking about them all as a group like out together drinking and stuff um, but then I remember seeing my name mentioned and she had actually brought me up first of all Um, And she basically had asked if he had told me about what had happened with the whole situation in the meeting. And I really can't remember now what his reply was. I know at the time, I had my own phone in my hand and I was taking pictures of all the kind of incriminating like suspicious messages with my own phone but I just don't have them anymore um but I distinctly remember him calling me a bitch and calling me dumb and saying that he something like he doesn't care what I think anyways or whatever it was something like he whatever he told me I would believe anyway um and now like obviously normally in a normal situation that would have been really hurtful to see especially like someone talking about you like that to a complete stranger but honestly like at this point I just didn't care I just really was over it I just did not care um so it was still I remember still being kind of like surprised but also in a way kind of glad because it was like you know you're kind of when you're in this situation you're so isolated from everyone and you're kind of like your mind just becomes warped and like because you're not really telling anyone about your situation you know you have nobody to tell you that what you're thinking and what's happening to you is wrong you know you've nobody there to tell you that because you're not confiding in anyone um so you've nobody to kind of like sort your mind out and kind of straighten things and make you see that no you're not going insane like this is not okay um but then like you know seeing it written down and how he was speaking about me to another person who I didn't even know and kind of changing the narrative to make me sound like a bad person um it was just confirmation of like no Amanda you're not crazy like this is not a good person um So yeah, you know, you can probably tell from the last couple of stories that at this point I'd finally kind of started to wake up to the behavior and realize that, you know, this was not a good situation. Um, But I'm going to leave it there and talk more on that next week because I don't want to make this episode way too long. Um, I do want to touch on briefly before I end this episode, because it's also related to financial abuse. um, I wanna talk a little bit about uh, familicide um, in relation to finance. Um, So, familicides are family murders in which the perpetrator murders their partner and children. Domestic violence um, is found in about 32 to 92 percent of these cases but not always. Um, A desire for and a sense of entitlement for control especially over finances is a more common denominator in these situations which is exactly why I want to talk about it. Um, It tends to spiral during a loss of control particularly in male heads of households um you know they often see it as a way to spare the family the humiliation of like people knowing about it um they see themselves as like being like respectable in the community and then you know really what's going on underneath all of that is completely different and they don't want to be seen as like um you know like that they're in ruin basically to the outside. Um, so uh, one example um, of this is in 2008, um, a man called Chris Foster shot his wife Jill and his daughter Kirsty, who was only 15, while they slept. Um, he also shot the family's horses and dogs before setting his 1.2 million mansion ablaze. And as the house was burning, he went back inside, lay down next to his dead wife. So when they were found, he had his gun next to him, but had no wounds from it. So it is thought that he died by smoke inhalation. Um, He appeared to be rich and very successful on the outside, but the reality was that his business empire had collapsed completely and apparently he had once confided to a colleague that he would rather kill himself than lose his lifestyle. So roughly a quarter to a third of family annihilation cases appear to have financial problems at their root. Uh, There was a significant rise in cases during the financial crisis of the late 2000s. So for me, like I worry very much now, um, you know, with the aftermath of this pandemic, that there's going to be a huge increase in this. Um, Obviously, it's a very extreme case, um, but it does happen and the statistics are there. And it's just another part of um, financial abuse that I wanted to touch on. So, that is all for today. Um, You know, I want to leave on a more positive note as obviously the subject matter is very heavy. Um, So, I wanted to leave off on some things that I am grateful for this week. So, firstly, very important to me, the sun finally shining again, um, meeting a friend for food and drinks who I hadn't seen for over a year, and just laughing and talking for hours and just having a great old time, uh, talking to my nephew on FaceTime, he's nine, ten months old now, um, and he's just a riot, I miss him so much, um, but I look forward to his calls uh, every week um the city starting to open up again the cases are going way down now there was uh zero deaths recorded yesterday which is amazing obviously we still have a long way to go yet um you know don't count your chickens and all that but it's obviously a step in the right direction um Watching the squirrels and chipmunks running around the park by my house. Oh, it makes me so happy every day. They're just the cutest. Um, Having a huge increase in listeners from last week and lots of lovely messages. This is something that continues to surprise me every week when I have a new episode out. um, That people are actually listening to me and taking the time to share and send lots of really nice messages to me. I really appreciate it all. And finally, sitting in my backyard with a really good coffee and a book. So they're just some of the things that make me happy and that I'm really grateful for this week. So I'll talk to you all again next week. Um, I'm going to talk about physical abuse next week. Um, I wanted to dedicate a whole episode to that because I have a lot to say on it. And once again my dms always open ipv on me on both instagram and twitter and again if you need any help please contact the hotline.org or 800 799 safe see you next time